schon gar nicht leichter. My name is Todd Lynch. I'm the East Location Pastor. And man, I'm just so pumped to be speaking today. Are you guys liking this series? All right? Like, I'll be honest with you. I was a little skeptical going in because I'm not the biggest country fan. I'll be a little honest. Um, but this has been amazing. <laughs> like, it has been powerful. So if you've missed any of the weeks, please make sure to go back, check out some of the other songs. And so what we've been doing with this series is simply this, taking a song like we just kind of did right there, uh, White Liar, and kind of looking at the lyrics to where we can learn, okay, God, what are you teaching us about life? What are you teaching us about you? Because I do believe God can use anything to kind of show us who he is. And so we're going to go ahead and kind of dig into this. So here's what I want you to think about. It's amazing how country music, they do this so well, kind of coming up with that breakup song. I don't know what, it, they, as soon as that breakup happens, it seems like those artists, the next year, they've got like a, the top chart song. And so just to help you be like, is that true? Yes. Here's the deal. Let me give you about three or four other songs besides White Liar that are just kind of like, oh yeah, um, these boots are made for walking. I love the giggles. If you don't know what that is, please go look it up. Um, the Thunder Rolls by Garth Brooks. Um, Goodbye Earl by Dixie Chicks. Who remembers that band? Um, I, that's high school and middle school for me. That was great. Um, and then Before He Cheats by Carrie Underwood. If you guys, that's kind of more of a more current one. But then we got the song today, White Liar. It's just amazing how those songs, we listen to them and they're like catchy, but they're also going, oh, yeah. That is for that person who hurt me. Like we, like that's how we, it creates this emotion in us that we go, man, I wish I would have said that. That would have been so much better than what I tried to babble, you know? And so just to kind of help us, let's go ahead and, go ahead and look at the lyrics here a little bit. Hey, white liar, the truth comes out a little at the time and it spreads just like a fire. Slips off of your tongue like turpentine and I don't know why, white liar. And if you kind of like go and study the lyrics on this kind of, you can kind of tell what the song's about. She was dating this boy or get married, get married. I don't know the whole story. But what I do know, breakup happened, and she was like, all right, here's who you are. A little white liar who tells me just enough to make you think it's okay. But I love this line. The truth comes out a little at a time. And so I hope we kind of just sit there a little bit and kind of wrestle with this thought. All right. If you're talking about me, and that's all of us, if you're talking about me personally, does the truth come out quickly out of you? Or does the truth come out slowly? Because what I do know, and, and these, 
this is all true. Songs show it to us. Words are powerful. Words are very powerful. And the truth is, is all words lead somewhere. So what you're saying, and even how you're saying it, communicates one, this direction or that direction. I can prove it to you because in Proverbs, which is a book about wisdom, talks about this. Look at this in Proverbs. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. I love how blunt <laughs> Proverbs is. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk, some of you in the room are like, all right, will reap the consequences though. Sometimes that can be good. You may have a lot of words that are great. But some of us, more probably like me, um, we have a lot of words and they're not always good. And so God is pointing out, like, you're pointing people towards certain directions. All the words we say are taking people this way or that way, or even taking yourself this way or that way. And let me even define the ways. Here's how you can think about words can give God's grace or achieve Satan's goals. And so you go back to that song, like, okay, white liar. Do I kind of share just partial truth? Or, and I, hear me, the reason we lie is sometimes we protect ourselves or protect the ones we love or we don't want to get into a big fight or we don't want to turn into a big mess. But are we actually kind of sitting back and going, is that us? Or are we actually trying to work on trying to figure out what the truth is? Because God cares about it a ton. And so to help us even define it more, here's what I kind of came up with. Life-giving words is equal to truth-tellers leading to God's grace. Where they tell the truth in such a way that it is full of mercy, full of love. Because I, I can be this way, and some of you probably will agree. That we can say truth, <laughs> but it comes across as very judgmental. It can become across as harsh. So when I'm saying life-giving words, you're a truth-teller who's leading people towards God's grace, who knows how to say truth in a very encouraging, understanding, but doesn't tell these white lies to make people just feel better. And so, but here's the other one. You've got the death-giving words. Liars leading to deception. I know that sounds strong, but in reality, it's true. We understand. So those of you who have been lied to, it feels that way. It feels like those words were so dishonest. Those words hurt so badly, and it it kind of brings a little death inside of us on some levels. And it creates this deception that we hate. And the fascinating part is the liar's piece. The culture we live in now is starting to define that a little bit differently. To where if you think about liars, you're kind of like, well, what were their intentions behind it? Did they have good motives? They were just trying to protect us. Where we have kind of go, well, if they're lying for good reasons, then it's okay. And I just think that's a very dangerous road to go down. Very dangerous. And God even talks about it. If you're wondering, okay, what does God think about this? How does God look at it? The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. God's like, be very careful with your words. Watch what you say. And even us sometimes believing the lie that we're protecting someone or protecting ourselves by saying this white lie or saying, recognize what God is saying on this. It's like, I can show you how to tell the truth in a way that's powerful, 
And it's true, and you don't have to cover. You don't have to say those words. But think of it this way. Go beyond, because we've all had those moments, too, where it's not just the white lies. It's those bursts of anger, those bursting moments where we regret the words that we said, where we hurt the people we love. And so I think we all understand that there is this tension that we have with our words of, are we saying it with truth? Are we saying it in a way that is life-giving? Or are we saying it in a way that's kind of lying? And really, it's leading to this deception in the end. And so that's the question I want you to wrestle with, is are your words giving life or are your words giving death? Because I think all of us in this tension, just to kind of help us, we all struggle with this. I looked it up, the top most common lies. Listen to this. First one, it wasn't me. (laughs) Most of you in here have said this. You have said this, and you were probably lying about it, all right? The other one, the money is coming soon. This one I love because it's so true and everybody is guilty of this. I have read and agreed to the above terms and conditions. (laughs) All of you in here, you know it. Yep, you even clap for it. That's right. You know it's true, all right? One size fits all. I'll start my diet tomorrow. I need five minutes of your time. This hurts me more than it hurts you. I'll be praying for you. I was just kidding. I was the only one trying, I was just trying to help. And this is the top one across all the websites I looked at. Top common lie, I'm fine. Everybody is like, yes, I've gotten that before. And so you recognize there is this dilemma that we have of we get stuck in moments or in circumstances and we kind of go, what's the, oh man, isn't it just better to do this? There's traps that Satan tries to set, temptation that he puts in front of us to go down this route of saying things that we know we're going to regret. And so I know this, is that we have this truth that we want to say. We want to be truth tellers. We want to walk it out. We believe that. But there's this behavior that doesn't seem to match it up with it. And so that's where I feel like our culture is. That's where I feel like most of us are at, where we're like, yes, I want to be a truth teller. The problem is, is I, in moments, I, I, I fail. I don't say the right words. And so that's what I want to deal with and be able to go, okay, how do we wrestle with that? How do we make sure that our words are life-giving instead of hurting people? How do we get our beliefs to match up to our behaviors? And so here's the first part of it. And you guys are all going to look at me and go, took you all week to come up with this? Yes, the first part is speak the truth. You're like, well, duh. Well, I hope by the end of this sermon you start to go, that's pretty profound. It's simple. And it talks about how God loves Those who tell the truth. Now, to help us walk this out and begin to understand what it means to speak the truth, I want to go to a book in the Bible called James. Now, if you're wondering who wrote James, well, it's James, um, very conveniently. Um, James was a brother of Jesus. So just put yourself in that scenario where you are the sibling 
to God. Like growing up with Jesus, watching him and all those kind of things. And then he hits that time where he really starts to like, wow, like he's, he can teach, he can preach, but he was also the one picking on me at 12 years old. Like, how does this all work? And claiming crazy things. And so I can only imagine the conversations <laughs> Jesus and James were having and the words and how powerful it would have been. And for him to reflect back, because it is uh, talked about in Scripture, it's, it's in Scripture, James had the toughest time believing that his brother was the Messiah, which I think all of us in here would be like, yeah, I would struggle with that too. But he wrote this chapter, it's in chapter 3, and, and actually throughout all the book, where he's like, pay attention to your words. Understand that your tongue, recognize the power that it has. And so when it talked about speaks the truth, here's what James had to say. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. And all of us agree with this. We understand it. But it's amazing how what seems like sometimes the smallest part of us, our mouths, has so much power behind it where it can lead to crazy, amazing moments. I mean, think about, we studied this in school where we talk about speeches, Martin Luther King Jr., Abraham Lincoln. I mean, we talk about these speeches who have, have left an impact on our history. You think about even in your life, those moments where maybe you were down, you were struggling, but someone stepped in and said some amazing words and they were truthful, they were done out of love, changed the dynamics for you. And God is trying to say, like, look, this is how powerful it can be. Do you understand? Because sometimes I'm guilty of this. We just blatantly just say words without really processing or thinking or having the filters that we need to have. Where James is pointing out, like, do you recognize how powerful this is? Do you recognize that your words are pointing people in certain directions? Do you own that? Now, James keeps going, and this is where it gets crazy to me, all right? So catch this in verses 7. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. I find it fascinating that we can tame, according to Scripture, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. Don't know how you tame a fish, but that's very fascinating to me. But, catch that, but no one can tame the tongue. That means all of us listening, all of us watching, cannot control our tongue. Now, if you're like me, initially I was like, no, I didn't do that. But then I had to think very quickly, guy point up, brought up moments. Hey, remember when you said that? Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, my bad. We all probably can think of moments where we're like foot and mouth, those moments where we're like, oh, why did I just say that? And so God's sitting here going, recognize we cannot tame the tongue. And so I look at this and I go, this can be a little defeating. It's like, man, it's got all this power, but we can't control it. But then God kind of in his wisdom goes, hey, 
watch this. This is the truth that kind of, I think, walks this out. Where it says this. Our ability to speak truth is dependent on God. Where James is pointing out through the scriptures that our ability to speak truth is dependent on God working through us and in us. Now hear me, you can say the right things, you can say it in an encouraging way, you can do those things. But our ability to speak truth, to bring about life change, to bring about just the things that God wants to do here on earth, and I think down deep we want, it's dependent on God, and we have to recognize we can't say all the things we need to say, all the words, in order to bring about this without him. Jesus even pointed this out when he was speaking. Look at this in John. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus is pointing out, if you want to know the truth, if you want to be able to speak it, be able to understand it, you got to be faithful to my teachings. Then you will know the truth, and then the truth will set you free. Be able to set you, if you're like free, free, like free in the relationships, free in your own mindset of how you understand yourself, because let's be honest, most of us talk to ourselves, not in a crazy way, <laughs> but it's self-talk. Or sometimes we beat, beat ourselves up, all those kind of things. And, and God's going, if you're willing to trust my teachings, I will show you the truth, and that truth will start to come out of your mouth, will start to fill your thoughts, and it will give you life. And there will be freedom in that. That's why our ability to speak truth, our ability to give these powerful words, it's dependent on God. Which I hope begins to go, wow, this seems like such a bigger deal than just being able to speak the truth. I agree with you. And so I found something that I think kind of helped me understand more and more kind of where God is taking us. It's going to sound weird at first. It's called a Jahari window, which you're like, what in the world is that? It is this kind of four window panel that you can see, and it kind of will begin to help us understand where God is taking us. Um, so here's the deal. It's four kind of quadrants here, and here's how it's broken down. Known to self, so that's what you know. Not known to self, that's what you don't know. I know that's self-explanatory, but known to others, not known to others. So if you go into this block right here, this is where you have the ability to speak truth because you know it and the people around you know it to be true. Now, the other ones is where it gets a little bit <laughs> difficult because this is areas in your life that you don't know about yourself. We call them blind spots, but other people see it. And some of you are like, oh, that makes more sense. Everyone keeps telling me that, but I, don't, I just don't listen. You know, those are blind spots. But then you've got areas in your life that you know, but others don't know. Those are more hidden areas where you can say things, but sometimes there's a hidden agenda about it. And people think, oh, they just said that so well, but down deep, you know, well, I'm actually trying to get this accomplished. And so this is where you've got the open part, the blind spot, and the hidden part. And then this area is the parts that we just don't understand about life yet. The journey we kind of go on of like, okay, now I know how to navigate this. So you look at this, and here's the goal of being able to speak truth is to where the open piece gets bigger and bigger and bigger. 
to where you did deal with some of the hidden areas, you deal with some of the blind spots you have, and then the unknown also becomes smaller and smaller because you're learning who you are, who God is, and how relationships work. It's all those things. But this area, the ability to speak truth, has to get bigger and bigger and bigger. The danger is, for most of us, it's getting smaller. And you can tell it's getting smaller because you're hiding more and you have bigger blind spots. And so, not only do we need to speak the truth, we also need to see the truth. But you're like, okay, help me with that. Go back to that map. In order to see the truth, you've got to deal with your blind spots, which means, which means, hear me on this, that means you've got to allow other people to speak into your life, to be able to be open and have a conversation where it's going to take you being humble and going, all right, tell me, tell me where the blind spots are. Because most of us can probably do this. You can think of people in your life right now where you're like, okay, yeah, if, man, if they worked on that or worked on that, it would be so much better. But most of the time, we don't see our own blind spots, which is why they're called blind spots. And so when be able to see the truth, that means you've got to be growing in this. And so James even pointed this out. Look at what he wrote. Sometimes it praises, and when it says it, talking about our tongue, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. James pointed out, you can't have both. You can't say, God, I love you, and family, I love you, but in the same breath, be cursing other people. He's like, that's a blind spot. That cannot be happening. We can't have both coming out of your mouth. And the reality is, for most of us, we're in that spot. So James is like, you've got to deal with your blind spots. Jesus gave us actually an example of this. If you think about it, Jesus had a good friend, a disciple named Peter. And most of you guys have heard this story, but if you haven't, I'll walk it out a little bit. So Jesus is getting close to the end of his life, and he's telling him, like, guys, I'm going to go pay the price. I'm going to go die. And they're all looking at him like, well, you're crazy. Why do you keep talking that? Peter even got upset. He's like, you're not doing this. Why are you talking like this? And so <laughs> Jesus looked at Peter and was like, listen, Peter. Here's the honest truth. I, we're going to get to a point to where I'm going to get arrested and all of you are going to flee. You're going to abandon me. And Peter looked at him and was like, no, I'm not. I will always stand by your side. And Jesus goes, Peter, you'll say that you don't even know me three times. And if this is before Peter even did it. Peter's like, Jesus, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. But then the time came. Jesus got arrested. And then you know the story. People were coming and saying, hey, Peter, don't you know, like, isn't, weren't you a follower of his? And Peter's like, I don't know, who, who is that guy? I don't know who he is. Denied him. Look back at that. Jesus was already calling out one of Peter's blind spots. Saying, Peter, if you want to be able to speak the truth, you've got to recognize that you're kind of a people pleaser. And you say things to protect yourself. Because Peter didn't want to get in trouble. Peter didn't want to get arrested or anything, so he lied. And saying, I don't know this guy named Jesus. And you know how it wrecked him. As soon as that third time happened, says the scripture, the rooster crow, and he went 
and sobbed because he recognized he had just did what Jesus said he would do. And so the ability to see truth, recognizing, oh man, I've got these blind spots, it's critical. I've even seen it in my own life. Where I, the reason I tell you that Peter story is I connect with that. I, as a pastor, I'm a people pleaser. I, I occasionally just want to make people happy and make people feel good, which isn't a bad thing, but sometimes it can go down a road that's unhealthy. Now, God in his infinite wisdom led me to somebody, my wife named Tina, who is not a people pleaser. Not at all. And I love that about her. That's probably why I'm attracted to her, because I'm like, you're different. And I like that about you. And, I, and I've always loved how she's carried herself. Like, she's got so much self-confidence and belief. And, but hear me, she cares about people, but she doesn't have to people please. And so I've always kind of been like, wow, that's amazing. But Tina noticed my issue pretty quickly. She noticed my blind spot. So needless to say, there were some pretty epic fights. Because when Tina would call me out on it and say, hey, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed with this, that just sent off, like, disappointed? What? Because I didn't deal with failure well because I wanted everyone to be happy with me. And so it just led down this road. And I just went, like, there's those moments where you turn a lever in yourself and you're like, what just happened to me? And that's what I felt like happened because I would just blame shift. I would just turn this whole thing onto her and she'd be like, what just happened? And we would have these arguments and circles and circles and circles. And she tried calling me out on this blind spot, but for the longest time, for I would say probably our first two or three years of marriage, I would not hear it. And there finally came a moment where I feel like God kind of pressed in and said, listen, Todd, your wife should have the ability to speak into your life and say that she's disappointed in something without you losing it. And I was like, you're right, God, but, but, but you know, I try to go down that route. But then I sat there and realized, like, God, I, I need your help with this. And he began to coach me and train me to where about six months ago, it was a, <laughs> just a powerful moment for me. Where we were on a date, and I asked Tina, I was like, hey, what's, what do you love about our relationship? Well, because we're going to be married, we're going on here nine years come July. And I was like, what's your, what's your favorite part now? And she said, the part I love is that we are getting to a spot where we can be honest and open with each other. We don't have to skirt around things. We, don't have to, we get to the spot where it's really healthy. And for me, I was like, Yes. I'm getting it. Like, it's starting to click now. And for me, that was that moment where I started to see the truth. Recognizing that my words prior were actually really hurtful. They're actually creating destruction instead of being life-giving. So that's the part. You've got to be willing to own that you have blind spots. Sorry to break it to you, but none of us are perfect. So we have them. And that can sometimes lead to us saying words that we actually think are true, but they're not. And they may be hurting people. So speak the truth, see the truth, and then here's the last one. Seek the truth. And this is a part that I think is, is really difficult. Uh, here's how James kind of described it. 
For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure, and it is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. James is pointing out that there are two wisdoms that are going on in this world that will affect the words that you say. There's a wisdom that is kind of more the worldly wisdom, that is selfish ambition, that has all these things. And so when you start to deal with this part of it, when you got the worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom, here, go back to that map, you are starting to deal with this area. If you want to start becoming more real about who you are and dealing kind of with the hidden stuff, kind of going through, if you will, your kind of dirty laundry or the dirty closets that you need to go through in your life, you got to be willing to kind of go, okay, what are my motives behind all of this? When I say these words, is it pure? Is it sincere? Do I have the heart and wisdom that God is teaching me? Or do I have an agenda? Because in the world that we live in, culture <laughs> teaches us on so many levels to kind of just say what's on your mind. And you can hear it. I don't need, I, I shouldn't have to have filters. I should just be able to say everything that I want to say. Said every teenager everywhere, right? But all of us in here, we, we re recognize that. Even one of our top rights, which is very healthy, freedom of speech. It's so great in America, hear me. But it can walk down a dangerous road where I have the right to say what I want to say. Oh, okay, but go back to what James said. When it comes to us walking this relationship out, are our words pure? Are they peace-loving? Are they sincere? Are they generous? Even if you've got to tell a tough truth to somebody, are you doing it in a way that honors and respects them? Are you doing it just because this is my right to tell you? See, the hidden part, that's where God starts to show us there are layers to understanding truth. Think about it, there are layers to understanding just ourselves. And if it's humanity has layers, you can only imagine the layers that God has of being able to understand who he is. And so you see this now, you, you speak truth, you see truth, and you seek the truth where this truth now begins to understand and unfold in a way that you're going, now my words, I have to process and filter through. Now I want to turn now and kind of get a little bit more to the practical side because I think at this point you're going, yes, all of that's great, I think it's good, but how do I walk it out? What, what do I do now? So here's the first thing I want you to see. Be quick to own and confess your lies. Because if you're going to speak truth, see the truth, and seek the truth, there's going to become moments where God's going to reveal you weren't as honest as you thought you were. And so are you quick to confess it and own it? Because I do believe this, the longer we take to confess it and own it, I think the more hurt it brings. 
So be quick to do this. And, and James even talked about this. Look at this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. God understands how powerful it is for healing to come quickly. And he says, and if you want that, be quick to confess, be quick to own it. <laughs> One thing I'm very thankful for is that my parents taught me this at a young age. I'll never forget the moment where it was excruciating for me. I was a fifth grader at the time. I am <laughs> uh, sitting in class, and we kind of had these, like, desks in four. So, like, all the desks were facing each other. So, I had my friend sitting right across from me. And then uh, there was this girl named Tamara. So, friend Adam, Tamara, right next to him. And so, Tamara's just picking on him, picking on him. And I was like, I'm tired of it. I'm going to stand up for my friend. And as a fifth grader, I did not have a good filter. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> and so I said some things to Tamara that were very, very mean. And it's one of those moments where you notice maybe you've gone too far. Because my friend Adam went, oh, okay. Mm. Tamara's face just changed. She went from smiling and laughing at Adam to just crying. And I could feel, I was like, oh no. Mm. What did I just do? Like, stupid. Why did you say that? And of course, here's kind of how it played out. Like, she went and told the teacher because the teacher was wondering why she was crying so hard. And I was like, oh great. And then the punishment for a fifth grader, especially a boy, was you got to stand on the line at recess. Because that was, remember those days. Um, so I was, that, was, <laughs> that was my punishment for a while, which was miserable. Just think about that punishment. It's just weird. Just, all right, I'm going to stand here and look around. But anyways, um, so then I thought, all right, I've paid my dues. It's done. It's over with. I gotta, had to stand on the line. That was miserable. But then my teacher called my parents. I get home, my parents are like, did this really happen? And I was like, yes. And they're like, here's what's going to happen. You're going to call her, and you're going to apologize to her. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not. This is not happening. Please, 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 please do not make me do this. And there was a long argument about it. There was tears coming my way of just like, no, Dad, please, Mom, please, no, 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 no. Eventually, they're like, it's happening. <clears throat> So I'll never forget sitting on the bed, I remember vividly to this day, dialing the number and just making it through that conversation. But I'll never forget just kind of listening to Tamara, watching, even hearing, I should say, hearing her reaction kind of change. And as a fifth grader, learning how important it is to own those moments when you lie or when you say something mean and just be quick to confess it and to own it. And my parents always did this. We, I had two younger brothers where we were breaking things in neighbors' houses, windows, all that kind of stuff. We sound like crazy children. But, um, but my parents always did it because as a kid, you have a tendency to hide things. Like, I don't want to get in trouble. But my parents always forced us, no, you will go deal with this. And so I hope all of us in here will kind of begin because, you know, we've got parents in the room. We've got people who've got all kinds of relationships. And I hope we begin to understand how important this is. 
being quick to confess and own the lies that sometimes we don't recognize we're doing, but God has revealed it to us. But then it, as it keeps going, as my parents were showing me that there came some other truths that I began to learn as I got older. Allow others to reveal your blind spots. Let me ask you this. Do you have people in your life that can reveal it? And do you listen to them? I mean, it's great to sit there and be like, oh, that's true, but I'm not going to work on it. Are you actually got people in your life that you're listening to and it's changing? Because I've noticed being a father, being a husband, being a leader, being a pastor, I've got roles that God's given me and I've got blind spots. And if I'm not willing to have people in my life show me what those blind spots are, then I run the risk of compromising those roles of not being a good father, of not being a good husband. But if I'm allowing myself to be coached, if I'm allowing myself to be taught, then it changes and I can become a better father, better husband, and start to bring life instead of death. And then the last one is this. Chase after the layers of truth. I hope you'll begin to understand, if you ever were, like maybe some of you experienced this, read your Bible, and if you were to read a story one time and then three months later read the same thing, there's a different truth that can come out of it. Or sometimes you come to church and the pastor's speaking and you go, I've read that passage so many times and never got that out of it. See, that's where God's going. There's layers to this. And are you willing to chase after it? Are you willing to pursue it? Because church, if we're going to understand the world that we live in and we're going to understand the right words to say and when not to say things, we got to chase after the layers of truth that God's revealing to us. So I go back to that proverb scripture. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Here's the final question I want to ask you. So are you a truth teller or a white liar? Let that sink in and actually wonder, do my words communicate that I care about life and care about telling the truth? Or do my words care more about protecting myself, protecting others, and actually creating more deception, which would eventually lead to death? See, I know it sounds like, wow, that's extreme. But to God, I mean, think about it. He spoke things into being. He created life with his words. And we're created in the image of him. So our words then, you gotta go, they must have some power behind it. And so if all words are leading us somewhere, we gotta ask ourselves, where are we taking people? And where am I taking myself? Because I hope we can be a group. Because hear me, the culture we live in now is not great at this. Not. If anything, we can sometimes go down a route where we are so quick to speak, so quick to say things without even having the filters that we need. And so I hope we will begin to be a group of people. We begin to go, my words have power, they have meaning, and I need to make sure that I am doing the things that need to happen to make sure that God is leading me in this and leaning on him. For some of you, you may need to go and confess and own the things that maybe you've recognized or maybe you've been lying about for a while. Some of you need to allow and have that humility and allow those blind spots to be taken out. 
Some of you need to open up your Bible and start chasing after those layers of truth. Church, let's begin to be a group that starts to learn how to give power-giving, life-giving words. Let me pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for who you are and how you use words. You recognize their power. You know their power because you spoke this earth, all of us, into being. And so, God, if we are made in your image, then that means our words have power too. And so, God, I pray that we would begin to wrestle with and begin to own the fact that, God, my words, I need to be held accountable to. I need to make sure that they are life-giving words. And so that means I need to learn how to speak the truth, see the truth, and seek after it. Because, God, I can't do it on my own. And so, Lord, for those of us in here who may not have a relationship with you, I pray that today they'd be willing to start that relationship and say, God, I need your help. Forgive me for the hurts that I've caused. Forgive me for the sin that I've done and teach me how to speak truth. But God, for those of us in here who have been Christians for a while, who have believed, God, may we evaluate ourselves and ask ourselves, man, is my ability to speak truth, my openness, is it growing? Is it becoming bigger? God, we love you and we thank you for who you are. And we pray this in Jesus' name.